All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Totem Talks, Season 2, Episode 16. That's right. Last minute change, <laughs> Season 2, Episode 16. <laughs> For only you. For me. It was only a lot you of know, work to change. Only you know that we switched what episode would have been here. That's okay. No one else knows that. They all know now. It's very important to me that you guys know that I had to change the number six and seven on two different things to make this happen. And honestly, you are such a martyr. I really we, am. That's uh, what I'm We really to, appreciate uh, the sacrifice yeah. you did there. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, welcome, guys, to another episode, or welcome back. You know, if you're new, uh, how'd you find us? If you... <laughs> Thank you for finding Thank us. Thank you for finding us. Yes, uh, hopefully, you know, it's because all of our dedicated fans are doing their homework and exactly. telling everyone they meet on the street. Yep. Uh, it yeah, should just I be your, your you guys greeting. Have been continuing to call the phone books. I know that yes. I said that like two months ago, we but you can't be done by now. The no. phone book has yeah. a lot of people in it. And if you are, start over. A couple of weeks have yeah, passed. Exactly. Maybe they changed their mind. But yeah, the, the current <laughs> greeting should be, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. Have you heard of Totem Talks? That's how you introduce yourself now. Regardless of whether or not your name is actually blah, blah, blah. Yes, even if your name is not blah, 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 you're now blah, blah, blah. Exactly. The only name they hear is Totem Talks. Right. And okay. I guess the other people they can hear is the actual members of Totem Talks. Right. So uh, I'm Pat. I am Nick, and we uh, are continuing our season two tradition here of having very special guests on. Absolutely. And so for the first time, I'd like to in uh, introduce to you guys former low totem bassist, keyboardist, singer, Kevin McGee. Hello. Glad there to have you on, Kev. Yeah, first. Glad to be here. Excellent. All right. Well, that's that. That's introductions. So Yeah, I guess we should talk about uh, the subject matter of the episode. Right. Who we're doing, as is our typical, our typical motif. We're doing three artists, and they are Towns Van Zant, Tool, and Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, there's some variety there. As <laughs> always, though, we always try to keep it, keep it fresh, keep it hip. Exactly. Yeah, very Keep it hip. hip with Towns Van Zant. Yeah, that's how the kids know to, <laughs> to listen to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, so see I guess... our demographics change completely after this one. <laughs> I guess we'll get started with uh, yeah. with Mr. Van Zant himself. That. So John Towns Van Zant uh, was an American singer-songwriter, and he was active live from 1965 to 1996 and has had multiple posthumous albums Correct. released in his name by his estate. Right. And that's that. And we're going to yeah. cover three of them. We are. Uh, very difficult to find any kind of information on records and sales for these. So very we kind true. of just tried to break it up as much as possible. Uh, and our middle album to just cover one of his biggest pieces as well, To Live Is To Fly. Uh, so that's why we ended up doing, uh, for the sake of the song from 1968, yep. High, Low, and In Between from 1971. And then all the way to the posthumous album, uh, Sky Blue from 2019. Exactly. And if you at home are looking at uh, Towns Van Sant's discography, I assume if you're somebody who watches week in and week out, you're just as big of a nerd as we are. Sure, to some extent. At so least, right? if you're if you are you know playing along at home with us, you'll see an album after that. Right. Uh, that's called Somebody Had to Write It. Yeah, and somebody did. That's true. <laughs> and uh, it was a live album. Which is ironic. I know that he is deceased and right. it's a live album, but it was a live recorded album, so therefore doesn't count for us. That is correct. Maybe mm. maybe in our next episode of released live albums that we do in right. our mini series, but but certainly not now. Exactly. Okay. Who wants well, to go that. first? Nick, do you uh, want to go I first? I would love to actually, because I think 
and this, I'm taking a leap here. I think I'm the only person who'd heard of Towns Van Zant before we started this. That episode. is mm-hmm. accurate. Okay, yeah, just correct. figured I'd make. So uh, the story of how I knew the Towns Van Zant existed, and I'm, I have forgotten so many details. I would say it was about. 10 to 15 years ago, I went to a concert. Okay. I don't remember w- which concert it was. I've was been to it many. a Towns Van Zandt It was concert? not. Definitely not 10 <laughs> to 15 years ago. Uh, remember, he died. Um, so the opening act for whatever the band was, and I, I don't remember was any of this. Was that Towns Van Zandt? It was <laughs> No, but the opening act was just like devoted to Towns Van Zandt on a, on a crazy high level and basically spent their whole opening set talking about like this great songwriter who was lost to history from Texas who was like super well acclaimed within uh you know amongst musicians who yeah. everybody thought he was like incredible uh but his songs never gained any traction with the general public and I'm going to play a bunch of his songs and kind of tell a story for you and I remember that whole like set and act vividly but not who who they were and so the name Towns so Van Zandt did, has stuck with me for like 15 years they did their years. job too well yeah, to the point where I remembered everything about Towns, nothing about who they were. Yeah, um, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you can be too good at your job. That's right, and that person was. So mm. I, I had actually heard a couple of Towns Van Zandt records before. I never listened really closely, um, but I was aware of him. Uh, and I thought this first album had a lot of really good things about it, uh, particularly sure. the title track, For the Sake of the Song, was a really beautiful song. Um and the interesting thing about that, too, is that Towns actually doesn't really like this record, or he didn't like it because he felt like there was too much going on and the songs ended up being overproduced and there was too much sound. So he ended up kind of doing like laid back acoustic recordings of most of these songs at some point on his later uh, yeah. records, which I get to some extent, like he wanted to be a singer songwriter with a guitar. Yeah. But I actually really liked a lot of the arrangements on this record. Like I thought this was a good sounding record and it's a good introduction to Towns as someone who is a quality songwriter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh for the Agreed. country genre or even for the folk genre. Like it's it's probably a blend of country and folk to some extent on this record. Uh and I think that was that was all really, really strong. Uh and sure. any of the songs on here. Um you know, would be would be great picks to listen to to start out, and you know, it's it's only unfortunate that only other people were ever to, able to make his music famous, uh, not him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's my take on the first one, though. All right, uh, Kevin, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I thought for this being his first album, um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was pretty beautiful, um, very folksy. A lot of the songs sounded different which I think is cool. A lot of times a new artist, all of their songs will kind of sound the same, but I thought a lot of his songs sound different, a lot of different vibes. Mm-hmm. And overall, he's just a really good storyteller. He, his, yeah. His songwriting style, it's like he's he's telling a story to you. Totally. Every time. And yeah, the first track for the sake of the song, just very folksy feel. Just hearing that right off the bat kind of sets the tone for the whole thing. I thought there was a lot of interesting percussion on this too. I don't know mm, if... Okay. I just I noticed a lot of songs. Um, There's just like this pitter patter of drums that I th- I thought was interesting. Um, there was a lot of three fourth time, mm. which is cool. Okay, good catch. Yeah, because a lot of artists, you know, a typical song is in four four. Oh yeah, almost everything's in four four. Yeah, yeah. like ninety five percent of all popular music. Yeah, and then his lyrics are really good. Yeah. Like waiting around the die. It's just mm. very existential. Yeah, yeah, totally. As you would imagine. And I mean, um, it's so informative of the rest of his life. 
Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So that was that's pretty much my take. I thought it was um, okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Patrick. Yeah, I, I mean, I echo a lot of what you guys are saying. Uh, the emphasis here is definitely on the lyrics and the songwriting. Yeah. He is a strong lyricist. Uh, and we have the, we've experienced this before many times now. Totally. We, you know, folk singers are typically strong lyric writers. Phil Oaks, Don McLean, yeah. both of whom had, you know, that same exact thing. I think Towns Van Zant falls very comfortably between them. Um, sure. I think Phil's the better writer. Yeah. Um, but he's better than Don McLean and he's still great. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, Again, uh, like Kevin was saying, and, and like Nick was saying a little bit, the lyrics are really are really emotional, and they they have this like biting quality to them. You know, it's like a witty, sardonic kind of like biting humor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is just awesome to me uh, when you can take those emotions. And I, I mentioned this last week on last week's episode with uh, with Jeff Tweedy and Wilco. Mm-hmm. You're taking heavier emotional things like things like waiting around to die you know like you know love and lost love and all these things you're highlighting sadness um in these songs and you can do it in a way that makes me want to listen and relate and not feel like i'm just the most depressed person in the world yeah i love it so uh very high marks uh i mean let's get it out of the way he's a writer he's not a singer yeah, but he, yeah. his voice never detracts. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't detract, and that's a good thing. Um, but but just to put that out there, out of the three that I just said, because you kind of compare folk singers to each other, sure, Don yeah, McLean yeah. is the strongest oh, singer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then I would, I would even maybe put Phil Oaks above him. Okay, mm-hmm. understandable. But still, great writer and great music yeah. and fun to listen to. Right. You want to take us into uh, high-low yeah. So I'll go. In yep, high-low and in-between. Uh, very different sound, um, which is good. Uh, folk music, I I really adore folk music. Oh yeah, but I always like to hear where folk singers go, and because mm-hmm. typically you don't stay folk your whole life, you'll move into a genre. And the, he picked like some folk, some like gospel, yeah, really high energy, but also really like he's just a low energy guy. So sure. very yeah. interesting juxtapositions on this. It was yeah. Um, the production quality is higher, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. was interesting because of what you were saying, where he got, he eventually did like more stripped down versions yeah, of the other stuff. Right. The production quality in this is is much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very straightforward singer, yeah, which makes some of these songs stick out a little bit. Uh, the first song is a really good example of that. Two hands because it has like a, a full like female gospel backing vocal mm-hmm. to it yeah where they're singing out and he just doesn't have the power to match them no yep uh so okay you have stuff like that it's okay that it happens but there's definitely moments on this album where I, I it's a little jarring uh the lyrical emphasis is still there he's still an extremely strong songwriter um that part is just a little weird he also has a couple songs in this album that are like straight up talking blues yeah, I guess so yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not. He's not singing at all. Right. Uh, to live is to fly. Um, is a great, you know, a great song that he actually considered his best song. Yeah, a lot of people do consider it his best work. To live is to fly. Yeah, so he considered that his best song, but uh, but no deal was a funny kind of like hilarious story yeah. talking blues yeah. song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold was the other talking blues song. I think you may be right. Uh, but again, solid. It, uh, that's the best thing. It's solid to solid plus. Uh, he is a really good writer who's not a very good singer. Yeah, and I agree. that's it. And okay. I enjoyed the instrumentation. So yeah. here's something. Um, I wasn't sure if you knew the story or if you were going to touch on it at all. 
so whilst recording this album, uh, Towns' girlfriend was hanging out with him in the studio for recording. She like came from, I think she was living in Houston or something, and she came to visit him at the studio. And then on her way home, uh, she was hitchhiking back to Houston, and she was murdered. She was stabbed to death oh during the recording of this album. Oh, my God. And so like him working through that, ended up becoming like a big part of like his his finishing touches on the album that was all what yeah. he was dealing with at the time so wow uh, yeah exactly i, I mean very so heavily weird, emotional growing up you you always hear the stories about the hitchhikers being the murderers yeah right no but she was uh she was the hitchhiker that sounded was, really callous mm. i was just no making i know i understand like, i was making a fun point <laughs> i wasn't being no, I, I understand like, what you're saying like the popular like urban myths are yeah, it's like don't ever take a hitchhiker because right. they're all axe killers yeah right exactly yeah. but she was she was Man, murdered by the sucks, person who picked her up dude. yeah it was horrible i, I could have gone my whole life without knowing yeah that. i'm so Thanks. sorry i know towns van zant <laughs> is just like such an upper that we had to bring it down a little seriously bit. <laughs> um his story gets a lot yeah, happier exactly right <laughs> Um, but, but very beautifully written songs throughout. Uh, the one, the only thing that I will mention uh, song-wise that you didn't touch on is Highway Kind, which I thought was like a particularly uh, yeah. beautiful and sad song. Um, but this record has that stripped feel that he wanted. Like I think yeah. he kind of dan- danced around saying it by how much better the production was. But what he really wanted was to scale back um, the, what he probably more, saw as eccentricities of the first album. A and much the higher emphasis on the lyric. Yeah. Exactly. And so the, that really sure. came through on this record. And then, uh, Kev, if there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, I thought it was another great album. Um, I, as a piano player, I love the piano. Hmm. He added a lot of keys in there, this album, which I wasn't really that much in the first album, so I thought that was really cool. Um, especially on the title track, Kylo and in between, there's just beautiful piano. I just I found that really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, love the arrangement on that. Yeah, again, he's just a great storyteller. The lyrics are just amazing. Um and yeah, his voice is like it's not the thing about him that's great. Yeah. And right, it, sure. It's um like his stories are amazing, and it's very folksy. It's not like his, yeah. he's not like this it's, it American Idol It seems to be type. like a really common occurrence that really great songwriters in the folk genre aren't good singers. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Phil Oaks, Don McLean's the best uh, of the bunch. Bob for Dylan that. comes to mind. I was about to say <laughs> yeah. once we eventually get to Bob Dylan, you know, it sure. just seems like a pretty common thread. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Kev, you want to take us into Sky Blue? Yeah. So I noticed in Sky Blue there was a lot of stellar guitar work. That was just the thing that got me. There was a lot yeah. of like complex guitar. It was again very folksy, and again the lyrics are just amazing. And it just seemed like he really paints a picture with his lyrics. And I think especially on uh like Blue Ridge Mountains, there's amazing mm-hmm. guitar, and just the way his lyrics go in that song, it just you kind of like can envision what he's writing about yeah. so well. Yeah. And same with the hills of Roan County, just very scenic and good imagery. Um, yeah. Again, it's a shame that this was a posthumous album. Yeah, because yeah. um, it was just really good, and yeah, totally. wish he could have been around to to reap the benefits of it. Yeah, I guess. right, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned the guitar stuff because I just want to interject and then yeah. I'll let you go, go next ahead. if you want to, Pat. But uh, that was definitely one thing that other people I, I mentioned earlier that like while not well known to the public, Towns Van Zant was definitely someone who was like very very inspirational to a lot of other musicians like he was very highly regarded amongst songwriters yeah and that's why a lot of other people he ended up do by the end of his life he was like making pretty decent money but mostly on like willie nelson uh 
re-records of his songs, getting those royalties. Uh, but all those people also held him in high regard as like a finger picker and a guitar player because yeah. a lot of the other country strummers and folk guys were just kind of strumming along a couple of chords, but Towns could actually like play pretty well. So yeah, yeah for that's sure. a, just all I wanted to add in. But if you wanted to go next for Sky Blue. So yeah, uh, my, my point that I want to make about this album a little bit before I get into the music is like the feel of it. So this album came out in 2019. It was recorded all all the way back in 1973. Right. So it was, it was basically right before Towns Van Sant's life just went right down the Off tubes. Off the rails, yeah. Which mm-hmm. sucks. So this is right before he started dealing with heavy drinking problems, substance abuse problem. Uh, I mean, he was an alcoholic pretty much his entire adult life. He also struggled with heroin addiction. Yeah. This album is like right before then. Mm-hmm. So you get this feeling of like this is a guy about to hit his prime and then that stuff just all happens and t- completely knocks him off the rails. Yeah. yeah. So it sucks to listen to it and hear like, wow, like this is just like a home recording. It was he was basically staying at a friend's house um while he was like traveling through Atlanta. Uh Bill Hedgespeth. Uh that was okay. and it was just recorded in his home studio. Yeah. Just right, a whole right. just laid down a whole bunch of these tracks. Um, a lot of them are like really early recordings of famous songs of his. I mean, as yeah. famous as the Towns Van Zandt Poncho song is. and Lefty. Poncho and Lefty and the Snake Song are both big mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a number one record for Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard when they yes. did Poncho and Lefty. So, so uh, he's he's got a lot of really really powerful lyrics. Again, he's just good at that. Yeah, that's what he does. Um, he has a song called Rex's Blues. Um, it's about a really good friend of his uh, who is one of his bandmates named Rex Bell. Um, and he's such a good friend that later on, Rex Bell was ill, and his family like donated a bunch of Towns stuff he had already passed to like pay the medical bills, like auctioned off a bunch of his stuff. So Rex had been a, a good friend of his his entire life. Um, but. Getting into specifics, more stripped down acoustic. Uh, again, it's, it's pretty much yeah. just town in a home studio. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just towns in a home studio, so there's no real production value here. Sure. Uh, obviously, they've been mixed and mastered. Um, right. After it's, li- the fact. it's certainly listenable. Like, yeah. don't think it's, yeah, low um, quality. This album was very, very highly regarded mm-hmm. uh, yep. when it came out. So. Uh, Metacritic gives it about a 79 out of 100. It's pretty hard uh, to get that high, honestly. It Once is. Once you get into the 70s and 80s on Metacritic, you're it like, is. this is a so, pretty widely. Especially for like an album like this, it's a home recording of older work. Uh, Stephen Thomas Erlewine gave it a 6.9 out of 10. A lot of people are considering it like some of his best work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So that's basically what I have to say. I didn't want to get into specific okay. songs here. Yeah. Uh, and that's totally fine. And then I'll, I'll just wrap it up by saying, and I know that Pat will agree with me here. Um, the more we looked at Towns Van Zant, the more we saw just clear parallels to Phil Oaks. hundred percent. Somebody who was mm. incredibly highly regarded amongst their fellow musicians, but was unable to really gain widespread traction amongst the public. Yeah. Even though they were like very influential on other artists. Uh and then struggles with addiction with and mental illness yeah. I'll add in for Phil. I mean men- and depression and all, all the stuff that really plagued both of these guys. Uh so that other people ended up re recording some of their songs and charting even higher than they did. Uh and then of course they both died before their time. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. of culminations of all those other issues yeah the, uh, so I mean, there's the just real a lot only, between them the real only difference to them musically is just the subject matter 
Yeah, right, Phil Oaks exactly. was a much heavier political folk singer, it, and right. uh, Towns Van Zant's more of like an emotional personal experience personal and things experience. like that. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Okay, I think I think we've really covered him. I think we yeah, should get think into should giving him some grades. So we're we're starting with cultural impact, and Ugh. all I'm saying is I do think that this is the one place where we can take into account how influential he was on other artists and how he helped them grow their art and other people making his songs famous. Because otherwise he would be a point one, but I don't think Town Van Zandt is a point one in his impact because of what he brought to other people. That's all. I'm not saying we got to like crank him way up because obviously none of his songs were hits for him. Yeah. Uh, or anything like that. Most people wouldn't know who he was, but he did have an impact on other singers and the way that they wrote their songs, and and they were all you know influenced by him. Yep. Yeah. No, I I understand sense. completely where you're coming from. So how high does that get you? Is the question. Is <sighs> I, it like a I'm one? Under a one. Okay. I'm under a one. I have yeah. to be. Okay. That's fair. I, I told. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying like we need. I'm trying to argue him up from a point one is where I started from. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'd be willing, honestly, to give him like a point seven. I'm totally on board with that. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair to his legacy. Only because I could walk up to probably 1,500 people. Sure. And nobody would know who Towns Van Zant is. I agree, but a lot of those people might have heard the Willie Nelson Merle Haggard version of Poncho sure. and Lefty, and, things and that's like why that. I'm willing yeah. to give him yep. more than a point one. Sure. But it's just the name is not. And for I mean, agreed. Come on, with a name like that, you would remember it. Somebody should remember that name. You would Towns think. Van Zant. <laughs> We've had other Van Zants do very well on the on the show. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, if only he had hitched his wagon to Leonard Skinnerd, uh, <laughs> things would have gone oh, very differently. Uh, but anyway, for breadth of work, I think we're all in agreement that this is a uh, quality boost, but he doesn't have sales. He's got no sales are doing nothing for him, but he does have a quality boost. And there's how many albums? Like a little bit over 10? Yeah, that's pretty legit. Yeah. Well, do we count how many of the, like... How many of the posthumous albums? Yeah, and... so he's got 10 studio albums when he was alive. Right, yeah, and, and then, then a few then, after. Yeah, about another six. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... We can take that with a grain of salt to some extent. He's under a six. I'll be But he's, he's over a five, so... He's over five, he's under know, a six. He's, that's our, our benchmark. He's more than the average by a couple of albums. Yeah. All of the albums that we listened to were of very good quality, uh, and I think that gets him to like the 5.8 range. I can even I though can they go don't sell, five, I think five eight is totally. Is I totally can go fair. five eight. If more people, if you guys all go out now and get a thousand of your friends to buy an album, yeah, have it be Lifetime Left to Go by Low Totem. I That's know you true. thought I was going right. to talk about Towns Van Zandt there. I didn't think that you're going to say that. But uh, I, as I was talking, I was like, wait it a minute. It was like, wait, hold on. We they should buy our album and shameless plug. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, you, you have to be shameless here. I get it. You have to be. Instrumental talent, I'm okay like landing right in the middle because yeah. I think he did Ugh. some good things on guitar. Uh, his voice never detracted from me. Like if it, I was going by the there the were times when it did for me. Voice, you know, things that like make me go ooh are above, and things that make yeah. me go ah, are below. Then he would be a flat five as a singer for me, just very okay. average. See, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm very minusculely under it. Are you like at a four nine? I'm at like a four eight ish, mm. which I could I could end up at a four nine. I would be okay out. if that's where we average. Oh, Kevin, yeah. you and were a little again, bit more leaning towards me on the average side. It seemed from your so. grunts. I, I okay. just I thought his I thought the guitar was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think like, he definitely not like the best in the well. world, but it was no. But I I I definitely agree with the good guitar. 
Only reason I'm a little under is, like I said, specifically on that second album, there were times when they were incorporating harmony and they just picked singers that were so much stronger than him <laughs> on the backing harmonies uh, to the point where he was way out, too outclassed. Sure, right. You know, like that's when you pick other, you I know, you. not great singers to also harmonize with them. I get you. I get you. I yeah. think we're gonna we're about to hit his his strengths. I uh, would agree. Which are clear songwriting and poetic talent. I'm just gonna yeah. say right now that I think poetic talent is the stronger of the two categories by far. Um, yep. His first album was really the one that had all the arrangements, and that was the one that he didn't really like all that much. Yeah. Uh, after that, it was mostly pretty stripped back and just towns yeah. and, and a guitar. You could say that maybe he was a good combination of country music and. Uh, folk music with like a little bit of gospel thrown in so i can give him some some creativity points for for blending genre a little maybe some uh give me a number give me where you're feeling because i i don't i don't know how high i'm feeling i was my number was honestly going to be in the five like oh, range like I right like around that. five yeah good because i was thinking i was thinking a little bit above that okay i'm fine uh, with i it. was thinking still uh, maybe a five and a half max but yeah i was thinking like a five four five five I'm, I'm he's cool with above that. average but the songs themselves folk arrangements are typically pretty bland exactly and it's the storytelling <laughs> and the lyrics that really catapult them agreed yeah which is why this right section, so while it's done well yeah uh, he does it well it's not like crazy crazy yeah. impressive what is is the is the poetic is content. the poetic yeah. like i think we're all on board we've been saying it the whole time like really you li sit down and listen to pretty much any given towns van zandt song yeah and you're gonna understand what we're what we're saying here yeah um agree so we're pretty we're pretty high on town i'm assuming he's going to be one of our higher poetic talent scorers that we've had yeah, on the show so I, far i think he should be uh the question is how high do we go exactly um now you mentioned uh like precedent earlier in the season that he, you thought he was better than don mclean as a lyricist i thought he he was slightly better than mclean yeah. and don mclean got an 8.8 .8. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think he's a slightly better lyricist. Does, is Tyler Van Zandt a nine? Is that like is that our ninety percent? Is that our well, A minus? So we gave Phil Oaks a ten. Yeah, and, and I gave, don't think anyone else has gotten that close. No, and they they shouldn't. No. I, the thing about Phil Oaks, yeah, I this isn't his episode. I know we don't, we're, go back we're and always going to back episode. to Phil Oaks. We love Phil Oaks. Yeah. Go back and listen to his episode. You want to hear us talk about? Yeah, it. Um, it, it was just like very important to bring up. It. There's so many parallels here. Oh, for that sure, it made sense to talk about him again. Um, yeah, I think a flat nine works. I agree. I think that's, I mean, that's I, really high. I think high. great emotional writing deserves yeah. it. And is there yeah. an X factor for Towns? Did anyone come across anything that they... So no, I okay. don't think so. I do just want to point out, like, I want to just give him, like, a solid minute on his on his death. Oh, yeah, yeah, please. Because the story is just so crazy. Uh, basically, he fell at his house yeah. and just like down the steps outside of his house and was laying there for like hours and then crawled in his house managed to call his ex-wife Janine who mm. they remained very close friends right. they were they were still close um and to the point where close and he like literally signed over everything to her after the divorce and would like regularly like go do shows he was only making money now at this point from live engagements and would still like and, well, and royalties like he was bringing in from he had signed it all oh, over he signed to her. All, oh, oh, everything okay, he gotcha. had everything he wow. signed over to her as the executor of oh, his okay, entire gotcha, life. Gotcha. And he still would like go get paid for doing shows and then go to her and like give him the money, give her oh, the money. Wow. Like he okay. was like devoted. 
Because I think he realized that they only broke up because of his very crippling addiction. Yeah. Like, you, uh, yeah. you can only do so much. Of course, yeah. But regardless, back to the story. He fell on the steps. He, had, like, was hurt. He managed to call his ex-wife, Janine, who called some of his friends who went and got him. And he, like, laid on their couch for days. And he couldn't even go to the bathroom. And, his, and he, like, refused to go to the hospital because uh, they'll detox him. Right. Mm. Eventually, they convinced him to go. He had, like, fully fractured his hip. Yep. And, like, had this, like, infected fracture in his hip. They started to detox him because they had to. And they warned them that it could kill him. Yeah. Because he had already gone through it once. It's very, very traumatizing. Yep. Like Alcohol withdrawal alcohol can literally withdrawal kill you. Is, is very yeah. difficult yeah. to Before do. Before you think about becoming an alcoholic, <laughs> just know that just the withdrawal yeah. can actually kill you. I think people underestimate alcoholism. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It's horrific. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrifying. Uh, so his ex-wife had gotten there by this point, and they kept saying that, and she was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think anybody wants to do that. Signed him out against the hospital's wishes right? and like got him to the car, and as she got him to the car, he started having withdrawal tremors, like already, like delusional tremors. So that's like the first step of alcohol withdrawal is like yeah. literally delusions and your whole body shakes. Like I'm sure you've seen it in movies. Sure. It's been in a few. Um and she like rushed and like gave him a flask of vodka to like hold it off and like got him home and then he passed away that night just like sitting at the table. Yeah, but like really just sad. just a, a a horrible life for this man. Yeah, uh, yeah, like addiction is no joke. Not at all. And it really it's it's sad to read about and yeah. it just yep. it's sad that it's still such a huge problem. Um, well, that was Towns Panzan. <laughs> so here we go into Tool. <laughs> I'm glad that before we go into Tool, I'm, I'm glad we ended on that note because of like the music that he writes like is depressing. So I want you all to be depressed yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Like we are. <laughs> Tool is an American rock band. They're from Los Angeles. Angelus? Yeah, I, there's no way to know. It's a small yeah. town. <laughs> Tiny unknown town. <laughs> small hick town. Uh, so they're, they've been active from 1990 until the present day. And uh, that's, that's it. Correct. That's uh, that's all we got for them. That's yeah. Uh, that's it. All right, let's grade them. We <laughs> we went over three of their albums. As always, uh, we started off with their first album, Undertow, which came out in 1993. We followed that up with Anima, which came out in 1996, and then we ended with Fear Inoculum, which came out in 2019. That's correct. And that's it. And I'm so proud that I didn't even stumble over pronouncing yeah. Anima. Uh, that was very good. Very, so, very happy. So Impressive. part of the reason that we had had to have Kevin on for this particular yes. episode is that he is a notorious tool bag. Is that what they call tool fans? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I never heard tool bag actually, but tool head. They, they do say when tool fans listen to a tool song, they have tool gasms. Oh yeah. So I've had, I've had some of them. Let's just say that, but they, this is, this is my favorite band. I will say that. There you go. It's personal so. personal favorite all right well t t talk us through undertow then you're gonna go first okay so undertow um they released an ep right before this one but this was their first like official album and it's just really such a dark grungy sound that just like kicks you in the butt when you hear it i think there's just the guitar and the bass riffs are just really they just they hit you and sure um Maynard james keenan is the lead singer his lyrics I think on this album are just stellar. They're just like 
they're very soul bearing and they kind of they uncover really deep parts of who he is and what he's going through um it just it takes a listener to depths that you might not be ready to go to in general tool the thing they're most known about is the layers of their songs and there's just the layers of these songs is so complicated it's hard to keep up with what's going on in the songs so i can imagine listening to it for the first time it's almost overwhelming because there's just so much happening um but then a couple things about some of the tracks with a song like Sober. Sober is probably the simplest song as far as composition goes, but those lyrics are just phenomenal in my opinion. And they just like, they delve into the depths of the soul and I just think they're amazing. And I, I think Maynard is a great lyricist. And, and then we get down to some of these other songs. At the very end of the album, there's Disgustipated, which yeah. <laughs> is a, that's just a weird experience to listen to for anybody. Well, there you go. Thank yeah, you for saying yes. that was weird. A fun fact about that one, they actually used sledgehammers yeah. to smash keyboards in. They used legit sledgehammers on this track huh. and did all kinds of funky stuff. So Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Uh so I'll before you, you go, I want something? you to go okay. next. But I just want to say that as you were saying tool bags, tool heads, and stuff, right. I looked up, like, what's the name of tool fans? Right. And uh, so it was like a Reddit tools. post, and somebody commented the tool tubbies. <laughs> and I. Tool tubbies. That's, that's what they're called now to yeah, me. Yeah, oh, forever. absolutely. They're the tool tubbies. <laughs> absolutely. So, Kevin, you're a tool tubby. Perfect. All right. Okay. So, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to just. Ah, let's. Rip the band aid off? No. Uh, I guess I'm just going to say a bunch of things that fly in the face of everything that Kevin just said. Um, not because I disliked this album or thought it was really bad or anything like that. Uh, I believe you when you say that Maynard James Keenan is an excellent lyricist. The way this entire album and really all of their work are mixed combined with his vocal style made it so that I was always just like putting my ear to the speaker to try to even understand him. I'm not sure that I caught any of the lyrics for three albums. I mean, like, and I know that that's, that's part of the thing. It's like part of the tool sound. They like having the vocals like down so that they're mixed equally with the other tracks. He has a very specific way of singing. There are certain effects that they put on his voice, but it makes it almost impossible unless you have on like studio grade headphones and you have time to like re-listen to each track like 10 times to understand him at all. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I was the only one who had that problem, but it's it's it, not that the, his lyrics could have been excellent underneath that, but I struggled so much to hear them. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, interesting things about this. Uh, the song Bottom also features Henry Rollins Henry as a Rollins. guest vocal, so that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I don't think I keep saying I don't also think this a co-writer. Is yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, this is fine. I'd have to be in a very specific mood to want to come back to it. Sure. With the exception of Sober. With the exception of Sober, which I thought was the standout song of the album. Yeah. Um, definitely. It was a, it was the one I'd heard of before. Like, I'm certainly not into Tool the way that Kevin is, but I was yeah. aware that the song Sober existed. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting, because uh, I like to pick out facts, and I have a Six Degrees of Tone talks for us. Oh, love it. Uh, Maynard James Keenan actually performed in 2004 uh, with Alice in Chains for like Look a tsunami and earthquake relief benefit. Um, so Very interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a nice one to throw out there. Uh, I, I can't say too much more about this other than, you know, I get that grungy, mentally sound that you were talking about. 
I'm sure the lyrics are good if I had enough time to listen to these like 30 times each to figure it out. <laughs> and Tool songs are long, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Pat, where are you at on this? Okay. I'm curious. So uh, I also had a lot of trouble listening to Maynard's vocals. Uh, it really just sounds like he's singing with a bunch of marbles in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I listened to the first album while reading the lyrics, which, okay. which helped me. Because uh, I got through the first song. I got through Intolerance and then was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to need to read them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's my first thought. Uh, some of the things that I'll talk about uh, are the crafting of the songs. Uh, they have this ability to really, really play with the tensions in the songs um, through a lot of, like, I guess teasing. So, like, Intolerance is the first song. It really starts off with, like, silence. To the point where you're like, did the song start? And then right, you hear right. there's yeah. like little, like, little, like. Yep. Sure. No, I agree. Like little things happening. And it really does a good job of getting you to like listen. And it's like one of those things where you're like subconsciously like leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. Giant wall of sound. Like mm. you're like, whoa, okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. And then you get that typical tool sound uh, of like, you know, they're using different like chord progressions and different structures. It's very prog metal, uh, which again. Not my particular genre of music, but it's done very well. I can hear a lot of good playing on this. Uh, they keep a very consistent energy, um, which is good, uh, at least in the songs. And for the most part, I enjoyed the experience. Um, I There were times when I didn't love Maynard's vocal. Uh, he has a very distinctive voice, and if you... If it doesn't hit you right in that song, you're not going to like it. Uh, specifically, Swamp Song was that one for me. thought it was pretty lackluster. Uh, Sober is far and away the highlight of this album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a great track. Um, that's the one that stayed on my list. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, when this was done. Uh, the other one being Undertow was also a good one. Uh, that was more prog to me than metal. I yep. enjoy prog more than metal. Agreed. So uh, that was that. I'll take us into uh, Anima. Please. A little bit of the same. Uh, you're getting that that tool sound again. Uh, you're getting the kind of marbly sound of Maynard again. Mm -hmm. uh, the writing is, is still good. Uh, there's weird things that they do in this. So this is way more of like an album band. Oh yeah, than absolutely. a song band. Totally agree. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you have to listen to basically. Very rarely can you just like sober is one that I can listen to on its own. Sure, but but if generally. I'm listening to Tool. At this point, I I'm I have to listen to the whole album. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they do things in the songs where it's like, okay, cool. I can't just go listen to Useful Idiot because it's just 38 seconds of literal static. Yeah, right. but That's right. in the album, you know, it makes sense. It's like a palate cleanser between H sure. and 46 and mm -hmm. two. So okay, I understand that. Um, Message to Harry Manback is another one of those things. It's just a guy talking, which again, hey, with a great little like uh, piano thing. That's true. The piano thing wasn't bad. That was bad. one of my favorite tracks on the record. The, the piano thing wasn't bad, <laughs> but some of the stuff was weird. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it. Uh, I Again, it's not really my style. Uh, I liked some of the tracks. I liked you know, some of the things they were going for. That tool sound in the music is very consistent, uh, and Maynard is a good singer. Uh, again, some of the time, some of the times when he, you know, hits notes and stuff with that tone of voice, they come off a little grating, but that wasn't bad for me. Uh, H got a little screamy, which I didn't like. Mm -hmm. I don't really like screamy. No, vocals. very rarely does that mm -hmm. work. Um, 
I guess the two highlights for me, though, song-wise, are Hooker with a Penis. Classic. Uh, yes. Because the gr- the bass line was super groovy on that. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Da Ear von Satan. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is The Eggs of Satan. Right. Yeah. Which is literally just a German man reciting an, a recipe for eggs yep. that you should definitely not try to cook. Oh, God, yeah. And that's okay. it. That's yeah, all Kev, I got. Why don't, you, yep. why don't you take us through? Um. Yeah, so this album, this one has a place in my heart because I grew up with this one. Sure. But um, funny thing about this album, um, if you actually have the album and you have like the inside album art and everything, there's this big ode to the comedian Bill Hicks. Yeah. Yes. yes. I'm very, very glad you yeah. brought that mm-hmm. up. The whole album is kind of like dedicated to Bill Hicks because it was right after he died. Sure. Um, and the song Eulogy is actually kind of like a eulogy to Bill Hicks. That yeah. was kind of okay. like yeah. what it was intended to be. I'd recommend um, which, going and listening to some Bill Hicks. Oh my God. Yeah. If you've never yes. heard of Bill Hicks, he's, he's phenomenal. Yep. And a lot of the, um, like a lot of the concepts on this album have to do with like, like human evolution and stuff like that. And like 46 sure. and two, it's all about like humans evolving past their current state, like evolving out of their shadow, so to speak. And that was a lot of what Bill Hicks would talk about in his stand up too. Um, so as you said, it's, there's a lot of weird stuff in this album. A lot of weird stuff. It's like yeah. as weird yeah. as it gets. And like I totally get that when you're like a tool fan, people are like, like, how do you how I'm do sorry, you sorry, you the word you're looking for is tool a tubby? Yeah, right. Tool a tubby. <laughs> when you're a tool a tubby, a lot of people are like, How can you get into this? Like it's so weird. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about the there's something about them, like they I think they try to like provoke emotions out of people. Sure. And that's part of what their thing is but I, I think the thing i like about this album is just how it's such an experience it's not just song by song it's like this whole album is like a a prog rock symphony and it okay. just it kind of like comes into you like that and a lot of um a lot of good lyrics if you can hear what maynard's saying and i, I totally get yeah, that it's, it's his tough. his voice is very weird for the rock genre like he's very like quiet mm-hmm. but he has a good voice. I mean, it's definitely the way it's mixed. It's intentional to like that it's back in the mix always. Yeah, yeah. it has to be. Um, couple fun facts. Message to Harry Manback was apparently a voice recording that some guy left the drummer after they toured in Germany. And very it's, interesting. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Okay. Apparently. Um, and I, I think highlights for me are forty six and two. I think that that's an iconic bass line. And then you got the title track anima is um just kind of like an epic song and there's the lyrics there sure. are very in depth i think and they they kind of go from like metaphors back to reality and back to metaphors which i thought was cool and then third eye is just like a 13 minute craziness of <laughs> yeah <laughs> that it is that again had a lot of bill hicks quotes in it in the beginning right. yeah and um so yeah overall for me personally this album just it had my heart in 8th grade so it's just like understandable. Kind of once once it gets I you get there, it. I totally um, get it. Okay, my my feelings on this are very similar to my my feelings on the first record, which is I understand why Tool can be like one of the the flag bearers for the whole prog metal genre. I get it. I understand why people yeah. would enjoy this. Uh, I'd have to be in a very specific mood to want to go back to either of these first two albums. Uh, what but if, I don't think they're bad. Would it help you, Nick, if? We put on the record, and then I just keep punching you in the stomach. To, it might <laughs> to get you angry. That maybe might help. if I get you in like a nice angry mood. 
that maybe that's what I need. Yeah. Maybe that's what I need. I've, I've I also know. rarely seen you get angry. It's tough. So. It's tough. Um, but the other track that I'll highlight is Intermission. I actually liked a lot of those like little one minute off like little instrumental yeah. pieces. I thought that they were pretty interesting. Uh, one strange exception was uh, the song Ions. I was like, yeah. okay, that'll be another like minute long thing with weird sounds. Why was it four no. minutes of yeah. weird sounds? <laughs> like, why did they go for four hey, whole minutes? I don't know. This album is already seventy-seven minutes long. It doesn't yeah. need that. Um, but I mean, otherwise, I have nothing. I have nothing particularly new or interesting to add about that one. So I'm gonna take us way into the future. Uh, way to, into the future. To Fear Inoculum, which was released in 2019, uh, like the very long awaited because there was a 13 yeah. year gap between albums. Yes. Um, While yep. during which Maynard was very busy with other bands. Yeah, right. He was doing mm-hmm. other things. Like there, there was stuff going on, but people were, I suppose, to some extent, like kind of clamoring for when is there going to be another Tool album? Um, you know, will it come yeah. out? I remember seeing something before, uh, or maybe right after this album came out, because I don't. I mean, I don't really follow Tool that well. No, I don't know. Uh, but it was a meme uh, comparing the release of the Tool album after 13 years to George R. R. Martin. Oh yeah, and being like, <laughs> right. being like, wow, we all thought this one would come first because it's been supposed yeah. to come out since 2017. Um, that yeah. was it. It was just funny. Right. Okay. He still yeah. hasn't come out with it. This sure. is years later now. We're, yeah, we're never going to get the re- no, end of that No, we're really series. not, which is such a shame. I finished reading the last book like five years ago, and I'm yeah. just like, ugh. Which was significantly later than when it came out. Right, exactly. But anyway, uh, so this is, all of these Tool albums have been long. This one was 10 tracks in 86 and a half minutes. It was nearly an hour and a half long, and I thought yeah. that it was an hour and a half of pure majesty. This album was a prog metal classic. It was one of the best oh, albums man. I've heard Kevin all year. Kevin is definitely huh? about to be like, I, I didn't thought like this, this album. album was incredible from beginning to yeah. end. Six of the songs on this album are 10 minutes or longer, Which and is why I you would gladly it. go back and listen to any of them over and over and over again. I mean, Look, like, wow. this was finally when Tool made sense to me. I was I was nervous going in. I was like, I don't know how I felt about those first two albums, and this one's really long, and all the songs are 15 minutes long, and every one of them was great. I mean, yeah. like, this felt to me like it had more in common with Dream Theater than with early Tool, and yeah. I think yeah. that's why I liked it so much, because I I really like Dream Theater, um, but the the Tool style of prog metal was never quite the one that hit with me. This one, uh, I mean, this is exactly what I was looking for in the genre. Yeah. It's so much more heavily into the prog, and it's less yes. about like that heavier, grungier sound, uh, and that's great. The the heavier you lean on prog, the the more I'm going to end up liking it. Um, and and now I understand Tool, and I will go back and listen to this album many times. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. Okay. That's um, how I feel. Well, I didn't think anyone saw that coming after the first Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I I'll know. say a little bit, uh, and I'll let you close it out, Kev. Uh, Fear Inoculum was wonderful. Uh, I agree with Nick on a lot of that. Uh, some of the stuff went a little long for me. Uh, I'm not a sadist like Nick is. I am. Um, <laughs> you do. The longer the song, the better. Exactly. However, my favorite song also happened to be the longest, which is Tempest. Tempest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, incredible track yeah uh start to finish and uh really really one of the things that i liked about it is they used themes and motifs from earlier tool work so there was about a six minute section in the middle of this song where they're like riffing and going over older work of their of their own in like a kind of like an homage right in the middle of it uh which is just something that like most people wouldn't think to do Mm -hmm. and really came across in a strong way um 
that's pretty much uh, what I have to say. Uh, one of the only negatives I have for this is, for the first time, Tool felt a little formulaic. Interesting. In okay. which, like, you have... Starts off nice and light, builds into this like swell in the middle for like four or five minutes, tapers down up a little bit at the end, and then we're done. And that happens about okay. four times on this album. I get you. Yeah. So, yeah. like, whereas the other times you're going to get, you know, 15, 16 tracks that are all vastly different beginning to end with similar sound because Tool is a very, very concise sounding band. With this one, you actually got a very similar wave of like ebbs and flows in the music. So, uh, uh, take it with a grain of salt. I I enjoyed it, um, but I definitely did feel that, especially listening to this one. Unlike previous Tool work, this is a song album. I get yeah. you. Yeah, more yeah, yeah, than totally, an yeah. album album. Right. There's like, still those little yeah. breaks. I think it's interesting too because uh, several of the the smaller songs. There's one that's got a French title that I'm not going to try to pronounce, and then uh, <laughs> Legion Inoculant, like the two to three minute songs that were yeah. usually kind of breaking things up, mocking beat at the end. They weren't in the physical release. It was right. the digital release that had the extra songs uh, that had those kinds of things that we saw were typical on other albums where there were like little breathing room songs for two minutes. Yeah, which yeah. maybe would have helped. All right, Kev, you want to wrap us up then? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I agree that this was definitely a good album. And yeah. like this was like their most polished work, I think. Like this was, and it makes sense because they worked on this for so long. Yeah, really. Yeah. And they talked about it like, it was kind of like the three guys, um, Danny, Adam, and Justin Chancellor were doing basically all the instrumental work, and then Maynard's doing all his other stuff. But those three guys worked on this for such a long time, like re-riffing, re-recording. Yeah. And you can definitely tell on this album like how perfected it is. And one thing we haven't talked about is Danny Carey, the drummer. Oh, okay. Who is just in my opinion, is one of the best drummers. He is, he's, he's got some special talent. That's just my opinion. A lot no, of really unique beats, and I, yeah, I can understand yeah, where you're coming you. from with that. Talented. He also played the synthesizer on this album for fun. I love that. Yeah. Synth done right, right, Nick? Absolutely. Uh, mm. Also, before we start grading, just shout out to Chocolate Chip Trip, oh, which yeah. was the most <laughs> psychedelic song we've listened to so far. Fair enough. Today, at least. Today, yeah. <laughs> What was the 13th floor elevators were more second? Well, I mean, until the Tool lemon incorporates heads. the uh, the electric. Not the lemon heads, strawberry alarm clock. Yeah, I said the strawberry lemon alarm clock. Wrong fruit, way guys. Sorry. More psychedelic. Way more, way different fruit. Yeah. Uh, is there? Did you have any final comments before we move on to grading? I will say one more thing. Yeah. Just about Tool in general. I, I mean, you guys know I'm I'm like a grunge fan. Yes. So of I course. actually, in my opinion, I thought Tool's prime was with. A Enema and Lateralis, their two like earlier works. I wasn't that happy when I heard this one, probably because it is so formulated. I get it. And I was used I to it. the older tool, and I'm like, okay. that's where my my heart was and everything. So, but yeah. it grew on you, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it is did... the only tool album to not go at least platinum. Right. And I do States. think that that is in large part because. It came out in 2019, and nothing goes platinum in 2019. Oh, anymore. it's a great point. I just yeah. thought we'd mention it. Right, did go gold. It did go gold, which honestly, to that's basically the equivalent um, at this point to to going platinum. If you go gold in 2019, like you've done something incredible because nobody buys records anymore; they only yeah. listen to them and stream them. Uh fair enough. Okay, uh, so grades, cultural right. impact. Here <laughs> cultural we go. Cultural impact. Um, this is an interesting so, one. It's a weird one because. 
Tool, by their very nature, prog metal, by its very nature, is never going to be a mainstream genre. Yeah. But for a band from such an obscure genre of music to consistently sell platinum records is like multi-platinum too right i mean it's really yeah. special it's a lot of a lot of tele, uh, tool tubbies out there yeah a lot of tool lot tubbies, of tool yeah. tubbies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and they're an incredibly de- it's almost akin to fish yeah like, talking about bands that we've done earlier where it's like this is a band that while it's not a genre that is going to ever become mainstream and popular they have such a huge devoted fan base that will follow yeah. them anywhere and do anything like that's yeah. worth something to me i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a little bit of a boost here a very small boost uh which i don't know if you're gonna like kevin <laughs> uh the boost is i'm gonna give them 0.2 for this okay because ver- they became very popular uh on the social media scene for a short amount of time when justin bieber came out as a tulatubby yeah oh wow okay uh, and he like wore a tool shirt on a Instagram post and said he loved him and yeah. Maynard was like, yo, F you, dude. Like, I, I hate you so much for saying that. Yeah. And like started a beef with Justin Bieber when he's like, I love you guys. And he's like, I hate you. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so definitely, uh, maybe not the best reason, but a lot of people who had never heard of Tool heard of them. Heard of them of at that point. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm giving them a full point two for that. Okay. So whatever over we give them. I don't want to just give them I a understand point two. that we're Tool definitely is deserving of more than a point two. Uh but they're under a five. I think I mean, they're, under, they're a five, under a five, but yeah. they you know, for what they are, I think they, they have to do really well for a band that comes from a very obscure genre. I, I'd be willing to go up to a two point eight. I'm okay with that. I think Which that's Which would so then yeah. go to a three with the that, with the added that's point perfect. Two. I think that's great. Uh breadth of work. So they're starting slightly under. They're only, only five, five of these albums. Tool records. Yeah. However, um, all of them sold very well. Uh, every uh, album went at least platinum until the last one. Exactly. And most of them went multi-platinum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not just multi-platinum in the United States, but like platinum in a bunch of other countries as well. Yeah. Millions of records sold on totally. each album. Um, so that definitely gives them a boost. I would say that boosts them at least already to a five. Um if not uh, yeah. a little bit above a five. And then I can, I can see that going to a five. And then I would be okay with them being a little bit above a five with quality. I know the first couple of albums were not for me. I thought the fa- the last album was just phenomenal yeah. uh, in yeah. terms of quality. So I would be in the five somewhere. Like five and a half is probably like my max. Uh, I can understand that. Now, if we give them a five and a half, Kevin, as the tool the tubby, are you are you gonna are you gonna cause a ruckus here? <laughs> no, that actually I agree with that. Okay, okay cool. Uh, let's There's, do a five and a half. Yeah, because yeah. Kevin, we can't we can't upset the the sleeping giant of Kevin who is ready to. Yeah, for those yeah. of you who don't know Kevin, he's like actually also pretty jacked. So we're a <laughs> right. little we're a but little. But he's also a total him. teddy bear. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. So. We he's d- also we just the don't only person I've seen. That. He's also the only person I've seen jump fully formed out of your pool. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> he he has done. That. He has done that. Like uh. it's like three <laughs> foot deep water, and he just like jumps out, jumps of it. out of it, and lands on his feet in yeah. the air. It's wild. For the it's record, incredible. I can't do that anymore. Not anymore. Sadly. Oh no. All right. Well, this Her summer we'll get you. my back. Oh uh, right, right. But it wasn't from. Look, to be clear, it was not from jumping out. That's oh, no. true. Oh, he no, heard no, it. He heard it. I want to just be clear. Okay, uh, so I think we're about to hit a, a category that's maybe arguably Tool's strongest category, which is I instrumental talent. So. And yeah. obviously these guys are all like phenomenally talented instrumentalists. Yes, yeah. to they do, are. Just to do the genre that they're doing 
requires like several points above average talent, uh, sure. let alone to do it well. One thing so, I, I can't believe is how they memorize these songs. Yeah, I like it beyond is me so how that could be complex. Done. I would. It's just like yeah, it really I can't is. They do that. Yeah, it's it's wild. I can't even memorize songs I've been singing for three years Th- that yeah. he wrote. <laughs> that I wrote. <laughs> Uh, so so I'm pretty high. I'm pretty high here. I'm like okay. considerably above average. I would be okay to come back down because of the vocals not being on par with the rest of it. Okay, but are you, what are you, in the sevens? Is that where I'm, you're at? I would be above the sevens for Tool. Above the sevens? I like would, in the eights? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I would okay. think eights too. So you're in the eights. Okay. Listen, I'm not against it. Uh, I'd be in the low eights. I'm not, are, are you, 8.5 is... Is out of range for me. Okay, that was my that was the number that jumped out in my head when we got the tool. I might 8.5. be like closer to like an eight point three. Mm. I just think an eight point five. I think there's enough detracting here, and I think it's it's enough stuff that people aren't going to recognize as good. And I also think they incorporate a little bit of weirdness, and I think I think that all kind of takes away a little bit. Okay, where Not, what's what's the lowest you're willing to go over there, Kev? Um, I. I like the 8.5 sound. Um, I mean, I'll average out to an 8.4. That's okay. fine. Yeah. All right. All right. That's that's a good compromise. Yeah. Uh, I do think they are strong songwriters as well. Um, again, what they do, it just it's very complex and it's yeah. very difficult. It it clearly takes a lot of skill and knowledge to formulate the songs the tool puts out. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. So I mean, again, I gotta be starting from a point that's above average. Yeah. I would agree. I'm definitely above average. I think that I'm definitely not as high as I am with instrumental talent. I agree. Uh, but I would be willing to go into like the above a six and a half. Okay. Yeah. I think I think the, I think the the messages the songs convey and the like I said the tension building and yeah all of those of different things combine into an experience um, that is really interesting. Okay. Uh, again, not my style of music. But right. Definitely I not. Recognize but... how good it is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I'd be willing to go maybe like six six. Okay. That that's fine by me. I'm 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 with that. So I will let you guys talk about poetic talent since Kevin has actually heard the lyrics <laughs> yeah. and you read them, uh, and I, I just think... like s- stared at my speakers trying to figure out what was going on. I think they're very strong. Um, I think yeah. Maynard's a really good songwriter. I think he writes with a lot of emotion. I think that he conveys the point very well. I think he maybe tends to get a little too ethereal at times. I agree. Uh, because like part of being a really great lyricist, I be- I would count to be relatability, and I think that that would be the part where Tool lacks a little bit, uh, which just stops them from getting into that like upper upper echelon. Uh, but I'm still in like easily the high sevens. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I believe I, you guys. I I'm very easy. Like I could be willing to go like maybe like a seven point eight. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. If you guys are in agreement on that, then I can type it in. And Maynard's a really smart guy. I have no so, yeah. doubt. His lyrics are like really like in depth and inquisitive. Mm-hmm. For but sure. I, I agree. Like sometimes it's just a little too. You can't like grasp it. It's too right. It's too like, far out. And there. don't get me wrong. For a fan of the band who's willing to do that listening ten, twelve, twenty times to delve into those emotions and those lyrics. It tells a totally different story. I'm trying to come at it from a point of how many people will say that Maynard is a great writer and 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 kind of argue that point of like to the average listener, they're not going to understand a lot of this stuff because it's going to go over their heads. Or to yeah. me, I'm just not going to understand because I literally cannot hear what the words are. That's yeah. that, that's, that's a big too. part of it for me. Honestly. That's who I, I get can't it. hear. It. Um, I don't necessarily think there's an X factor here because uh, they didn't invent the this genre. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that they necessarily. Yeah, I know they popularized part of the genre and kind of resurged it a little bit, but yeah, you know, 
Yeah, I, other, I don't think other artists were combining prog and metal before. I don't think they're gonna be. I don't. I wouldn't give them an X factor. If you guys have one, please. Uh, nothing free. that I'm aware of, unless Kevin's got something. Eh, not really. No. Okay. Cool. Okay. Then let's uh, go assassinate the Archduke. Franz Ferdinand uh, are a Scottish rock band formed in Glasgow in 2002, and they're still active today. And right. without a shadow of a doubt, the first thing I want to say is I found out when they formed uh, before this episode, but I had heard the song, their big song, which we're going to talk about, Take sure. Me Out, right. uh, on Guitar Hero when I was a child. Interesting. I didn't even know it was on Guitar Hero. Yeah, it was on Guitar Hero um, when I was a kid, and I always just assumed it was like an old classic rock act and that and i just never even reconciled that in my brain until for some reason like i want to say like five or six years ago i was i was looking up franz ferdinand and realized that they were from the 2000s and it blew my mind i i could have sworn take me out was from like 1970 really i I wouldn't have guessed. I also mm. learned that song from a video game because it was on the soundtrack to Madden 2005. Hey, <laughs> look so, at that. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, we said a little bit about Franz Ferdinand, uh, and okay. uh, that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go over three of their albums. Album number one, we can't do an episode without it, the eponymous album. Of course. Uh, Franz Ferdinand, which came out in 2004. Uh, then we did You Could Have It So Much Better, which came out in 2005. Which didn't hit their other big hit song that I thought we were going to hit. <laughs> yeah. So we, we just skipped right over No You Girls. I, I got I got nothing for you. Yeah. But I, what oh. I can tell you is we ended with Always Ascending, which is a lie, and came out in 2018. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, I guess I'll go. F- I didn't go first for some, or did I? Or did you not go first, Pat? I don't remember what's happened. So I don't far. know if I've gone first. I so think you I will, have to go first. I will go first. Uh, so, Franz Ferdinand is a band, and uh, I think that their big priority, which was very evident to me, is rhythm and hook over melody. So they're a very rhythmic band. They do a lot of mm-hmm. intricate rhythms, and like you know, "Take Me Out" is their big song, and you can hear the rhythms. Right, in that. and there are definitely big changes um, in there. And the the hooks in the songs and the riffs and the catchiness over the melodic nature of the songs, which is good because their vocalist is bad. He's not a good singer. Um, no, I don't mean to be insulting. I'm not saying that he's like detractingly bad. I'm saying he's clearly not like a powerhouse vocalist, and they know that, and their music does not reflect that. Uh, it doesn't ruin it at all, though. I thought they had some good uh, instrumental moments, and I thought they had a lot of potential in this album. Uh, Jacqueline is the is the opening track, and it really is different than I expected because it starts off like really slow, really sweet. Uh, before that, like really humming bass line kicks into it. Um, then you have "Take Me Out." Um, you have "Tell Her Tonight," which I just I don't have any notes for. It was there. <laughs> it was there. It was a song. Uh, "Take Me Out" is the big song. Great tempo changes. Wonderful like swing vibe. Um. I listened to, spoiler alert, I listened to 22 albums this week. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Nick and I, um, we recorded last week's episode 25 minutes before this episode. Correct. Um, sorry to ruin the magic for you guys. Unacceptable. But regardless, I listened to 22 albums this week in preparation for these episodes that we're recording today. One song got stuck in my head. It's Take, Take Me, me out. out. Yeah. So it, I, I'm a, hundreds of songs at this point. I mean, at least sure. 100 songs. Yep. And one of them got stuck in my head. It's the catchiest song. That's all I got. Uh, but my favorite song on the album is actually the next song, The Dark of the Matinee. 
Okay. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that layout of the song. I enjoyed the riffs and the progressions, this like shadowy dark guitar that was happening throughout it. Very interesting to me. Uh, the only other highlight I had was Darts of Pleasure because it was okay. from their original EP. All right. I, I'll pick up right where you, you left off there, which is uh, I, I'd like to just mention because we haven't mentioned him in a while. Uh, and this is not directly Robert Criscow or anything, but it is his publication, The Village Voice. Oh, there he is. Uh, and in 2004, uh, th- that song, Take Me Out, what was voted the best single uh, of the entire year by The Village Voice. And I'm not making a mistake. It's actually called this The Village Voice Paz and Jop Poll, which is like jazz and pop, but you flip the letters. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it was voted the best single of the year okay. uh, in that writer's poll. Wow. Uh, and I, get I don't know who the marketing coordinator was for that, yeah. but... Not, not wonderful. Not wonderful. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that's... Uh, since I'm on a roll of uh, yeah. calling out critics... Roll it up. Um, Simon Fernand of BBC Music said something that I thought was pretty much a good way to capture my feelings on the, the album, too. It's, he okay. said, Franz Ferdinand may not be a particularly long album, but it is a masterpiece piece of funky, punky, suave, cool from the first track to the last. And I was struggling so much to classify the music of Franz Ferdinand as I listened to it. It's just like, how do you pin this down, what they do? Yeah. So, like, funky, punky, cool. I was like, okay, I get it. That's That sort of is that sound, like, heavily relying on those riffs and rhythm changes that, that you mentioned before. Uh, and I actually... I want to make a band named okay. the, uh, the Funky Punky Spunky Junkies. That sounds fantastic. Um, so uh, Low Totem is officially disbanded. Oh, you well, heard, you heard I mean, here first. Wow, you really dropped a, you just dropped a bomb on me. <laughs> we here. can reform. As okay. The, like, I'm already forgetting. The That's Funky good. Punky Spunky Junkies. Excellent. Uh, just how I always wanted I to be known. I have a two-inch micropenis. <laughs> Thank you, George. Um, always glad to hear that. Is, anyway. it tr- is it true? <laughs> George, come on. Tell us the rest of the story. Um uh, I do have a six degrees of totem talks for this first album. And it is, of course, related to the song Take Me Out. Yeah. Which is frequently, there's a band that we've covered before that frequently plays this song live in a mashup with their biggest hit. And it's Finger Eleven uh, plays this song live. They do a big mashup. It definitely could fit into Paralyzer. Of, I can hear it. They mix it with Paralyzer, but then they also mix in Led Zeppelin's Trampled Underfoot and Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. And they do like a big four-song mashup live. That's actually, mm-hmm. I got to listen to that. It's pretty That's interesting, a, I'm right? sure there's recordings of it. I'm, there's got to be I'm sure there's a video on YouTube, on not YouTube's. a sponsor. Yes. All right, uh, yeah. Kev. Why don't you round us out and take us into the next one? Yes. So I just, I loved like the driving beats of this band. Absolutely. Yeah. Those rhythms just, are incredible. Like, rocking. Like it just, it just gets you going. It makes you want to dance. Like I kept thinking when I was listening to it and I'm not a big dancer, but it made me want to dance. So, and there was just a lot of iconic songs. Like Take Me Out is just amazing. We, we all can agree with that. It's just yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. There's so many changes in it. Yeah, right. And it just kind of like morphs and molds, which I think is amazing. Um, this Fire is also a really cool song. Very catchy. Um, but besides that, I mean, I think you guys pretty much touched on all that I yeah. thought about the first album. But I thought it was a great, great album. All right, then just yeah. roll into the next one. You could have right. it so much better. You could have it so much better. I thought there was greater song diversity on this one. There was a lot of different sounds. Yeah. 
again a lot of great driving rock songs that's like their big thing like that that bass guitar drum combo that just kind of like pounds and right pounds. exactly and th- that's like franz ferdinand to a t yeah um i thought the guitar sounds were infectious and a lot of great riffs um there was also some some more like mellow songs on this album like fade together was really beautiful yeah that was a great one and sad and then you have eleanor put your boots on which had a lot of good piano in it and it was kind of like more of a pretty song yeah those were the two i highlighted yeah yeah so i thought um i thought there was a lot more song diversity on this one and same great riffs but then also some more mellow songs mm-hmm. totally yeah pat do awesome. you want to pick up or uh yeah i'll pick it up a little bit um I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I thought that this album was stronger overall than the first album. Uh, I thought, again, a lot of the diversity really stuck out to me in a great way. Uh, specifically the song Walk Away. It was just that nice, like, stripped acoustic, uh, different, totally different vibe than anything previous, and really enjoyable. Uh, they're very good at catchiness. Uh, Agreed. The song Do You Want To was extremely catchy. And fun fact about that song... It's uh, the lines, the lyrics of it were pulled from pickup lines that uh, Capranos had had used on him at a party. So <laughs> girls that were trying to pick up, like pick him up at a party, yeah. were using those lines. And go listen to the lyrics. I don't want to repeat a lot of them, but they're very interesting to have those lines used at you at a party. And then, like your first thought is a song from <laughs> this. Uh, <laughs> so that's it. Okay. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other two things, real quick. Uh, well, that was easy. Is very unique structure to me because it was one verse and one chorus put into a three-minute song. So a lot of pulling and stretching and tempo changing yeah. and stuff interesting cool. happened to make a song out of it. And then, Nick, I don't know if you were going to talk about Eleanor Put Your Boots On. Uh, you can talk about it. Uh, I just wanted to mention that it was basically what Kevin had to say about it. Yeah, very, very, I had a very psychedelic beatle vibe here. Mm. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. And that's it. All right, cool. Uh, I have very little else to add. Um, most of my notes were similar to what you guys have had to say. Uh, I think what I wrote that kind of captures Franz Ferdinand through these first couple of albums uh, best is there's something always interesting about what you're listening to. Absolutely. That's what it, like, whether you love it or hate it, whether some songs are really work for you and some don't, there's always something interesting going on in a song at any given moment. Yeah. Uh, So it's really interesting to listen to um, analytically. Uh, the sure. other song that I will mention is uh, You're the Reason I'm Leaving, which uh, it sounds like it could be a relationship song, but it's actually at least rumored to be. A, it's about Tony Blair and Gordon Brown uh, and their tumultuous relationship, Interesting. both uh, wow. former um, prime ministers of the UK, but who like sort of worked together and they were sort of at odds with each other within the Labour Party. Uh, there's a really actually a phenomenal movie called The Deal. Uh, that features David Morrissey, who is famous for playing the governor in The Walking Dead, uh, as Gordon Brown. So if you're interested in that song and the backstory uh, and like kind of getting to understand it a little better and Tony Blair and Gordon Brown a little bit better, I'd recommend the movie The Deal. Uh, And (laughs) that's what I'll have to say uh, about that album. And I'll take us into Always Ascending. Uh, So we can hear how Pat, that was Pat's entire review of this record. I could could agree. Um, (laughs) This was not as strong as the others, as the other two albums. The other two albums were very good. Um, This, I I didn't love it. So they lost Nick McCarthy. That that hurts. And they replaced him with Julian Corey, who was the primary songwriter on this album. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that 
That was that's a all I will say. That was a problem. And well, here's what I was going to say. Actually, funnily enough, one of the additional musicians who was who was featured here, Terry Edwards, uh, played saxophone on uh, the ninth track, "Feel the Love Go." Terry Edwards uh, is a multi instrumentalist who who's played on a bunch of people's stuff in studio. Uh, one of the other bands that he's worked with is the Jesus and Mary Chain. And that was more the direction that this record went in, in terms of not being good to listen to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very accurate. Yeah, a couple of times uh, in the last few weeks, I've pointed out how bands have really used the synthesizer well. This was one of those albums where it was used very poorly. <laughs> very. I mean, makes I up did for all not, the times that you said it was done I well. Know. I know. I really didn't like the use of the synth at all. I mean, some of it was, was rough. I mean, the song Lois Lane, I thought was probably the worst song on this record it was the worst song i think i've heard from this band <laughs> okay i want to let you know because i have things to say but okay. my notes for that is just like a whole bunch of sleeping z's yeah <laughs> just <laughs> so boring yeah it, i i don't there are parts of this album that are pleasantly forgettable and there's a lot of this album that's just like distractingly not that good, especially yeah. from a band that we kind of learned to expect quality songwriting from for the yeah. first two records. So it was a yep. big disappointment, honestly. Uh, and that's where I'll leave leave it for me. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, pretty similar. You know, when it first started, Always Ascending begins and there's this beautiful piano and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a great album. And <laughs> yeah. that was like the only good part. <laughs> uh-huh. That's and, a very accurate statement. <laughs> yeah. It was just really ethereal and like yeah. it I kept writing down sounds like disco. Mm. There was like okay. disco-y sounds okay. and it was just it's that, I I know what you're talking about. It's that like it's that forced ambiance sound. Yeah. That could definitely be placed in disco, but in disco it was done more organically. Yeah. I but I get exactly what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I I definitely noticed a sharp decrease in quality from this yeah. album and I was I was also kind of disappointed. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, that's going to be a common uh, theme so it seems. So I have some very very interesting notes here. Uh, always ascending again. Starts off strong with that piano, and then just basements. Just, just wow! It feels forced. It feels sloppy. It feels that weird overproduction. It's like that, just gross over, over tinkered with sound. Uh, the second track sounds more like Franz Ferdinand, Lazy Boy. Sure. Uh, so that yeah. was more of that like typical Franz Ferdinand sound. So I started to get a little excited. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. The first song sucked, and it was the title track, so I'm scared, but the second track was actually pretty good. Maybe it was just like a hiccup. And then the rest of the album happened, um, and then we hit tracks three through seven, or yeah. what I like to call Pat Takes a Nap. Right. Because <laughs> um, it is just boring after boring after boring the whole way through. So literally three, four, five, six, seven. Five songs of just completely bland, overdone snooze fest. You have one second uh, during the song, the Academy Award, where the hook itself is like semi-interesting. Just the hook, and like you're for a second, you like perk up. You're like, wait, oh no, never mind. Okay. And it's so funny because like literally, love them or hate them, the one thing about them before was that they were always interesting. Right, and yeah. then you know, it's like, completely gone yeah. here. And then so it's ten tracks, three through seven are snoozy, boring. Uh, number one is awful, and then eight, nine, and ten are okay. A glimpse of love, you wake up, 
from your nap. Uh, and you're a little bit better. It's a little catchy again. It's a little a little cheesy, but hey, whatever. At this point, I'll take it. It's a drop of water in the desert at this point. Uh, and then Feel the Love Go. Uh, the only word I have, I have this song is in a word, vivid. But I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And that's what I have. I have nothing for the last song. It was okay. Uh, it was okay in comparison to the rest of the album, which means it's probably still bad. Understandable. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's wrap things up here, folks. Yeah. Uh, cultural impact. Franz Ferdinand has had two hits. I would argue strongly that they've had two hits, especially yeah. considering Know You Girls. I think it was used on like an iPod commercial or yeah. something way back in the day. So it was like Take kind Me of Out known. Is, is also a, a just Take, a mega Right. Hit. Well, that one was yeah. kind of implied. But yeah. it was Know You Girls since no, we I'm didn't saying, talk about that one. That, but I was saying it wasn't just a hits. hit. It was a mega hit. Oh, yeah. Right. And these guys it are, a, it was mega. you know. They're charting well um, and selling records across Europe as well as in the United States. Yeah. Um, so like a so seven? they've done well. Well, <laughs> I wasn't quite that high. <laughs> oh, you're not I up to like, a seven. Maybe in the twos. Yeah, I was thinking like a two point one. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> so I was you know, it covers their hits. It lets us know that they're that they've had some popularity um, across yeah. the globe, but nothing too crazy. Uh, and then Breath of Work, just like Tool, there are only five albums here. However, unlike Tool, significantly less sales. Right. Although, to yeah. be clear, uh, they did go platinum and gold in the U.S. with their first two records, uh, and those records also went platinum and gold in several other countries, um, right. including uh, four times platinum in the U.K. for the first one. Yes, uh, that is true. So they do get a slight, slight bump for, uh, yeah. for sales. And maybe we bump them... So here's, I'll give you my There's full, more good than bad in terms of quality that we listen I'll to. I'll give you my full breakdown. All right. Five albums, so I'm a little under. I'm probably like a 4.6, 4.5. Okay. Uh, the sales bump puts them up to like a 4.8, 4.9. Sure. Uh, the quality, mostly good. I wouldn't give too many extra points for that. Maybe up to a 5 with the quality. But then that last album... I know I can't take a full point away, but I'm definitely back down to like a four seven. That's my full formula. I did I what it. every teacher. You guys are both teachers, and I showed my work. He did show his work. And you're a math teacher, so I showed my work, Mister. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have taken nearly so Fair much enough. away for one bad album when there were two good ones, and we know that the third album had a big hit on it. I'm assuming. I, and here's right. the thing: it's we talked uh, with McCarthy. Uh, the guitarist Nick McCarthy, I think his name was. Yeah. That last album is the only one that he wasn't a part of the band for. So, I mean, we have good reason to believe that the first four albums are all of that original quality with the original yeah, lineup listen, of the band. I understand. So I was sticking closer to five. I wouldn't go all the way down. Like, if you said four nine, I would understand, but I don't think they deserve oh, to lose, like, four, point three eight. points. No way. Well, Kevin, you're the mm. you're the break uh, here. I really think four seven, but, I mean, I'd, I'd go I, four eight. I like to give him the benefit of the doubt and be closer to five. There you go. Just, I don't know. I think, like... You haven't been on here enough to be jaded like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 4-9. It's true. Uh, instrumental talent. Uh, there's a hodgepodge of good and bad. Yeah. There's a, it's, it's a strange mix of, like... I think there's more bad than good And I think a lot of what's talent. good is the writing for the instruments. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think they're 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 uh, yeah changing the game here instrumentally. I, I agree. I, I, I really think, think it's the what they just not good. Yeah, I think. I, see, his voice never bothered me. Um, I would have been like flat in the middle again. Like it never oh, took man. away, but it Nick, never impressed me. I know me you. I know you were like I were probably asleep for the last album. That's true. Go listen to his vocals in that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the word enough. that I used to describe it in our Slack chat. That is why. Yeah. Okay. Um. I get it. I can't repeat it. I mean, this I'm, is a family show. Yeah, I'm okay <laughs> to go under uh, five. Yes. to be clear. Oh um, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that's fine. So, but probably still it, in the fours because the instruments were all done right. competently. In they're the just fours. written yeah. well. Um, they're they're good riffs. It's yeah. just not like right. There there's a, a level of complexity to the riffs and the um, rhythms that they write that you have to be a competent musician yeah. to do them. So I don't want to go too much with, below average. I agree with the in the fours. Yeah. Uh, I, the the my floor slash ceiling is in between a four five and a four six. All right, let's go with a four six. Yeah, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt again because of the complex rhythms that happen throughout that require very hey, competent musicianship. I understand. Uh, and again, I think songwriting is where they do better. Yes, uh, they have a very yeah. unique sound that they've cultivated through the first couple albums. It was like very clearly Franz Ferdinand, uh, but they do experiment with with some other things and other instrument leads. And now, then, 20% of their albums that they wrote are bad. That's true. So just keep that in mind. Of course. They've mm-hmm. only written five albums. 20% of them are bad. I am somewhere in between Towns Van Zandt and Tool. Okay, sure. Closer to Towns Van Zandt. I think as most people would place Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, right. right. Solidly in between yeah. Towns Van Zandt and Tool. Yeah, when you ask the average person. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm above a 5.4 because I think a lot of the things the genres and rhythms that they experiment yeah. with are really complex and interesting, but I'm not crazy high on them because, you know, part of it is because their work really suffers later on, but, you what know. What about, like, a 5.8? I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, poetic talent? Um, no. Eh. It didn't it, take Chief. me out of the songs, really. No, but, but it, yeah. it wasn't particularly... And, and I really It was feel a rough like episode to go up against. That's what I was going to say. They yeah. really suffered by going up against Towns and Maynard. Yeah. Like, yeah. both very good writers, and they're just, meh. Yeah. They're not really writing those deep-seated lyrics. No. no. It's way more about the hook and the feel and the danciness and the beat. And right. The, like, yep. I, I honestly think I'm a little below average. I'm I'm fine with it. I'd be, That's how I feel too. Yeah, like okay. maybe like another four nine. Okay, just just a little bit below. Average just a little bit because I don't think it's not about the lyrics, and I don't think the I don't think there were bad lyrics. Right. Like when I go really below average, it's like oh, this lyric was like actually laughable. Sure. Yeah. I didn't have that here. Granted, tracks three through seven on the last album could have had anything they want. I was asleep. <laughs> Very. I was fully asleep. So who right. knows. Uh, is anyone aware of an X Factor? Do we give man... them any X Factor points for being named after the man who started World War One? No, but but this I think we could. What if I told you? Remember how I said "Know You Girls" was used for like an iPod commercial and yeah. so it got famous. Uh, what if I told you it was also used um, to promote the ninth season of the teen drama Degrassi: The Next Generation? That I... would be like five points of X Factor, I assume. I, you know what? No. Okay, zero. We're moving on. We've got final yeah. scores. Time to announce them. <laughs> All right. So uh, our third place winner, our third place winner this week is- <laughs> I like that you started calling I know. Them. Isn't it great? Uh, Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Uh, came in third with a 22.3, which is a respectable losing score. Breaking if you hit the, the 20s, 20s, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. 
Uh, we're very stingy with our scores, so so that's a good losing score. Uh, and then our winner for the the week is Tool. Tool wins with a thirty-one point three. Okay, so they broke into that thirty uh, stratosphere. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Towns Van Zandt ended up right in the middle with a twenty-five point eight. So pretty solid day all the way through. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting eclectic bunch here. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, and speaking of an interesting eclectic bunch, yeah. Next week we're going to be looking at the Village People. Wow. Wow. So will yeah. we be staying at the YMCA? It's uh, very all possible. Week leading up to the episode. Well, actually, I was thinking about being in the Navy. That makes sense too. You know, <laughs> here we go. Hanging out with all those macho men. <laughs> yeah. I've named. All of the Village People songs that I know at this point. So, uh, the traffic guy, the construction worker. Yeah, but I mean, I was naming no, the songs, I know, not the people. I, okay, I, I know, but That's I don't know any more songs. So, so uh, just name the people. What I will say is, <laughs> I'm kidding. I just wanted, I wanted to start the episode over again. Okay, well, let's end it this time. I will, but before I end it, uh, I just want to say a, a big thank you to you guys, uh, both for listening to the podcast and for uh, listening to our, our album, Lifetime Left yes. to Go. Uh, it means a lot. Our streaming numbers have started to trickle in, and yeah. we're really, really excited and, and happy that you guys are enjoying it. Uh, we have worked hard, and we're already like literally sitting here planning our second album. That's correct. Uh, we've been writing it together uh, already, so... Uh, we can't wait so to get that out to you guys. In yeah, apologies in advance for that, but uh, we will we will soon be shoving more music down your throat. That's correct. And, uh, and until thanks to then, Kevin for being here. Yeah, thank hey. you, Kevin, for, for stopping by. Hopefully, we get you on another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if not, don't tell us. Yeah, <laughs> we can't tool, handle that. Tool one, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, but while you're out listening to our stuff, make sure you have a great day. <laughs>